Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on Friday of the Octave of Easter, Friday, April 9th. Uh, again, I wish you happy Easter and, uh, and every Easter joy and blessing that comes with it. Uh, today, we are going to go back to the Gospel of John. Uh, we've spent a little bit of time in Luke's Gospel. The last couple of days, we were with John earlier this week, as well as Matthew. We're going to go back uh, to John chapter 21, verses 1 to 14, what's called the epilogue of John's gospel, but I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, let's break open God's word, a very famous story, uh, one of my favorites. It's so good. So let's break open God's word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, No. So he said to them, Cast the net over to the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it, and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them, and in like manner the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So let's set a context here. Um, We were with John's gospel earlier this week, both on Easter Sunday morning, remember, when Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved ran to the grave. That's chapter 20, uh, the, the early part of chapter 20. And then we were with John's gospel on Tuesday, after those two went back, that they believed but yet were confused and, and didn't know what was going on. Uh, then Mary Magdalene stayed at the tomb weeping and was presented, the gardener presented uh, himself to her. And uh, of course she thought it was the gardener, it was Jesus. 
and uh, and he revealed himself to her in speaking her name. There is a third revelation or a third gospel of John we will hear this Sunday on what we call Divine Mercy Sunday uh, that ends the octave of Easter. And that is when Jesus will go into the locked room, the upper room, and say, peace be with you, show them his hands and his side, and Thomas won't be with them. And we know that story as well. So here is the, uh, the other one. Now, after... John, at the end of John chapter 20, and this is why I call this the epilogue. This is John 21. At the end of John chapter 20, there is a a sentence or two that basically says, all these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. Um, And so that looks like, and, and most scholars would believe that to be the conclusion, and that this may have been a later edition. Um, not so late that uh, it, it may have been by the original author, just later. Uh, it may have been by the original author's community a little bit later. But the earliest manuscripts that we have all have this included. So no matter what, it was included at an early, early age. Um, so anyway, I, I like to, this is one of my favorite stories. And so that's kind of all background as to, to what we have here. But to me, this story, the whole chapter 21, could be called the reclamation of Peter, because I think that's exactly what's happening here. I think this is all about Peter, and of course, Peter represents the church, and Peter represents us, and and we can find ourselves within this story. So, what do we talk about here? The first thing, let's talk about this first line, because it's so good. Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. You know, my friends, oftentimes, and again, I'm speaking about me. Maybe this is not true of you, but I know it's true of me. Is I go looking for Christ and I say, where are you, Lord? Show me that sign or, or you know, on my terms, on my timing, in a way that I'm looking, where are you? And that's really not how God seems to operate. God operates on God's time, in God's way, and not perhaps the way that I'm doing it. And that, and they're looking for him. And that's why I love that word revealed. Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples in this way. My friends, yes. Do we need to look for God? Of course, always we need to be open. But the truth is, the work is not going to be done on our ends. God is the one that reveals God's self to us. And our job is to be open and to see him when he is present in the many, many faces with which he approaches us and the many, many different ways. It's not a question of God's presence because God is But how and in what way and when does God reveal himself to us? And are we open to that revelation? Is our heart, remember we talked about the difference between the mind and the heart. Both need to be involved. Both need to be involved. But that witness level is one of the heart, that how we know that, how we see that presence of Christ. We know it at an interior level, that God's revelation. Remember, even in this story, it wasn't Peter who recognized Christ. It wasn't any of the others. Who was it that recognized Christ? It was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because love recognizes the presence of Christ. 
that's who it is. So the reclamation of Peter, let me just kind of throw out a few things here. Uh, and I really won't even go much into it. It, it deserves its own um, podcast. It deserves probably two or three of them. <laughs> I hope you hear Kennedy here in the background. She's got, a, she's got lots of a voice today. Oh, and she is the most beautiful, sweet thing in the world. Um, so the reclamation of Peter. Uh, okay, Peter said, I'm going fishing. In a sense, saying, I'm done. I'm going back to my old habits. I'm going back to my... Remember when the, the disciples were leaving for Emmaus in a sense that they were getting out of town? They didn't know what's going on. All their hopes and dreams were dashed. In a sense, that's that same image that we get with Peter saying, I'm going fishing uh, on two levels. One, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to that uh, career, back to that trade. Uh, you know, I, I was a follower of Christ. I'm, I'm going to go fishing here now. But the other one is, of course, the, the whole point of I'm going fishing, meaning it's my idea, not God's idea. It's mine. Well, where does that lead? It leads nowhere, you know, because they, they try to catch everything and, and all night. There, there's no luck at all. Um, and so then, of course, the morning, they, somebody on the shore, they don't recognize his children. Have you caught anything to eat? No. Cast things over to the right side of the boat. They do. They get in so many fish. They don't know it. And it's that action. It's in that time that the eyes of the disciple whom Jesus loved are open. Again, love, love is the first one that ran and got to the tomb, right? Love is the one who placed his head on the chest of God and heard the heartbeat so their hearts could beat as one. And here we see love is the one that sees the revelation of Christ on the shore, in the action of the fish, in the, in the suggestion to, to cast the net over on the right side. Love is the one that has the eyes open and, and the eyes of the heart, I, I would think, that says, aha, who is this? And so he says to Peter, it is the Lord. And Peter, it says, is lightly clad. Again, I won't go so much into this, but think back to Genesis, right? Remember when Adam and Eve sinned and they hid. They hid from Christ because they realized they were naked. And that's the image that we're getting here with Peter. He was lightly clad. That is Bible speak for he was naked. And he jumps into the, to the water to hide himself from God. Why? Because he is still in his sin for the denial of, of Christ. Well, everybody gets on shore. And how do we know this is about Peter? Again, there's clues everywhere. We know it. Um, but another clue and another big one is the fact that Jesus is standing at a charcoal fire. There's only one other time the words charcoal fire are used in the Gospels, particularly the Gospel of John. Do you know when that is? When Peter was standing in the courtyard, when Jesus was on trial by the Sanhedrin, he was warming himself around a charcoal fire. And it was there that he denied, that he denied he even knew Jesus. So what we see is Jesus inviting Peter back to the very point of the sin. You know, and, and what I want to say here, brothers and sisters, is, again, this may not be you, but I think it is you. I think it's me. I think it's all of us. I think it is human nature. When we sin and we realize our, our own nakedness, we realize our own insufficiency, we realize uh, our guilt and our shame, 
what our natural instinct is. I mean, we're naked in that sense. We are naked. We see ourselves as we are, and we don't like who we are. We hide from God. We are no different than Peter. But what our God does, the more we run, the more we can ignore, the more we can you know, live in illusion that, that I'm not living in, in, in that sin, or, or the more that we just kind of allow it to depress us, or, or whatever it is that that sin's effects on us, and, and they're all there. The more we stay isolated, the more uh, we are going to truly die in that sin. But Jesus invites us back to that place. Why? Because it is there that we find mercy. It is there we find grace. It is there that we find the Eucharist. What does he have in that charcoal fire? This one isn't warming hands. This one has bread and fish on it. And in just a little bit, he's going to take that bread and break it and give it to the disciples. My friends, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what baggage you carry with me. I know what baggage I carry. But our God invites us back to that place. He doesn't invite us to, to, uh, to ignore it. He doesn't invite us to hide from him. He says, no, come here, because it is here that you find grace. Now, that doesn't give us permission to sin. Go out and sin all the time. But, you know, what it does invite us to is to not run from it. You know, Martin Luther used to have that marvelous quote, sin boldly. Martin Luther was not telling people, go out and sin. Sin boldly. He's saying sin in such a way that you cannot ignore your sin, that we cannot hide from it, that we know this is what we carry with us. Because what that does is it invites us back to our God. And it is there we find mercy and grace and salvation. Our sin, that stone which the building builder rejected, even within us, that part we reject within us, becomes the cornerstone because it is there we find the mercy and life of our God. Brothers and sisters, this is such good news. If we were going to keep reading this, and I would love to talk about the 153 fish, but that's going to be another podcast for another day. If we were going to keep reading this, what does Peter do? What does Jesus do? He takes him along the beach, right? And asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? He doesn't do it for his sake, meaning God's sake. Jesus doesn't do it, you know, because he needs Peter to say it. So therefore, okay, then I, then, I, then I do love you and then I will forgive you. He does it for Peter's sake. Brothers and sisters, our God, the forgiveness of our God waits for us. Do we hide? Do we run? Our God invites us to the charcoal fire. He invites us to the very place of our sin. So there... He can offer us mercy and grace and forgiveness. He can offer his very self in the Eucharist. How will we accept God's invitation today? Let's pray. Uh, we end our glorious mysteries this week, brothers and sisters, uh, which makes sense, again, through the octave that, that worked out so well. So let's bring our intentions before our loving Blessed Mother. And we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth glorious mystery, Mary is crowned Queen of Heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, we are on day six of Easter of the active. You've got two more days, Saturday, Sunday, uh, to celebrate this wonderful and best day. May you have the most wonderful and the best Easter celebration. God's peace. We'll see you again on Monday.